Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 15th episode of Ask Coaching King Soccer Podcast Show. I'm so happy that you're sitting right next to me, Kerry. 15th, so, yeah. 15th. I don't have to yell for you, so you just have to come and sit next to me. You're here, right next to me right now. No, that's the 15th episode. I, I, I gotta be ready. I'm ready for it. We're here. We are connected. I've been waiting all night in this spot. I've camped out all night you've been here episode. you've been here so long huh <laughs> wow you're so excited i am i'm excited you've got some interesting stuff to talk about fun stuff definitely a lot of soccer related stuff right of course of course <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but a lot of new soccer experiences that me and you shared yeah. this weekend together yeah yeah it was quite the interesting weekend i guess that's the best way to put it it was Maybe. what was interesting very eventful well so you know with uh the girls that we coach it would have been a lot of games we we're gonna have a lot of games this I weekend know. that was kind I of know. intimidating five games in two days yeah uh i don't know that just seems like a lot to me it seems a lot it is a lot we ended up playing three of them because the last two got rained out and i think i'm still drying off from, from <laughs> so much from rain Sunday. yeah but before then the first three games were able to be played two on saturday one on sunday and for both teams mm-hmm. um and i think both girls both sets of girls both teams played very well passing the ball around whenever they lost the ball they would pressure to get it back with uh, uh in numbers and uh you could see that the stuff that we're trying to teach them, the t- stuff that we're going over in the practices is really starting to pay off. And I just see a new level of, I think so, maybe, I don't know if you disagree, but I see a new level of focus and drive in both teams. Yeah. So it was really nice and both teams played very well. But ultimately, yeah. Before before you go there, before mm-hmm. you go there, mm-hmm. um, after last weekend's game, we kind of looked at it, kind of made a quick analysis. What could we kind of add more and we kind of thought about let's do a, a bit more focus on our attacking offense how are we supposed to attack how are we gonna be so how are we going to think when we come in different situations mm-hmm. so the girls can kind of recognize the situations once they actually playing so we did a lot of that on tuesday yeah it's practice and first it's practice yeah i think we even did it for like four to five minutes or so 50 minutes yeah, maybe we did it for a while we, and it was you know it was five against three attacks they started from the midfielders up to the striker yeah, and yeah. then out and uh, it seemed like that really paid off i know I, it was something that we went over in practices i guess to get them comfortable in mm-hmm. this exactly know, sort of attacking situations and yeah i definitely would say it paid off you just have to look at one of the goals that the elite team scored right it was we won the ball very low in our penalty box instead of just kicking it which is very natural at the age of you you know 10 years old you just boot it away our players they they won the ball they pass it to the left back the left back pass it up to the uh, left midfielder quick into the central midfielder the central midfielder switched mm. right and then the ball came back to the central midfielder which put a long ball in the deep and our striker took the ball dribble 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 and finished that goal by placing on the far post yeah. and uh, it, it was beautiful to watch this team to actually build an attack and go from the bottom of the field, low of the field, all the way up and actually score. Right, right. And that was, we were up to 2-0. We were up to 0 so. in that and game. In that game, so. we were up to 0 
they scored 2-1 and you know we we didn't really change anything we didn't go back with four defenders anything like that we kind of yeah. kept with the same idea throughout the game but it was tough man it was it was tough because i never experienced this as a coach before and it's my first time experience when it comes to late goals they scored 2-2 and right after the kickoff the referee called the, game. the last kick of the game yeah yeah, yeah. so yeah that was upsetting we're pleased with how they played but a little disappointing and yes yeah, definitely a new experience for me um but then that was the first game that was the first game then interesting enough with our second game with the other team very similar 2-0 up exactly playing well they're actually they're yeah. attempting to pass the ball around yeah. and work the ball not just booting it away playing kickball mm-hmm. uh 2-0 up they got one back Okay, that's okay, not bad. Yeah. We still felt we could keep right. playing the way we were, playing uh, fine the way we were. Uh, but then again, pretty much the last kick of the uh-huh. game, they tied it up two to two. Two, two yeah. <laughs> uh, so again, more disappointment. And then finally on Sunday, the third game, uh, back with the first team, the elite team again, leading one zero for most of the time, most of the entire game. But once again. In a very similar situation to the first uh, first game on Saturday. And once again, very, very late on. We thought we had it wrapped up. We just had to clear this one corner kick away and yeah. then we would have won. Yeah. Uh, but a last minute goal, last second goal, really, to tie that 1-1. So that's three games. I, I just three hit games. me the other day. Or yeah. hit me shortly after that. Three games in a row. I mean, as a player, I get really upset. Like, yeah. really mad, kind of really disappointed. You feel like you lost the game. And uh, it's tough to kind of go back to the locker room, uh, you know, because you had it. You were so close to three points. But in this case, it was a different feeling from a coach perspective. I felt more like, what a, what a shame, kind of. That was a shame. Yeah. At least we could have won it. We didn't do it. And it's not really on the girls. It's just soccer, right? So you weren't too upset. No, I wasn't too oh, upset. I wasn't too yeah. upset. Um, not too disappointed, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think I showed that after the game, too, as a coach. Yeah. Um, I, w- I were not mad that we had this loss. Because they showed they, they, you know, played exactly the way we want them to play, yes. essentially. Yes. And if they just keep playing that way, then we know that these... We won't slip up when, and lose these leads late on like that. Yeah. One thing we forgot to tell. What's that? All these games, they played against the age group above them. That's right. That's right. Which is very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Oscotch and King Soccer, Soccer Podcast Show. <laughs> <laughs> I found something this weekend that made me really happy. You know, we were very busy, right? 
We have yeah. so much to do, coaching yeah. and all 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 other stuff. Yep. involved with it. We had a pool party with the girls. Yep. Which was super fun. Yep. We had a pizza right after the pool party. Yep. And we were sitting there with the team and kind of goofing around and yep. kind of becoming a better group and yeah. friendship. Right, right, right. Come closer. Come closer, exactly. But throughout the this weekend we didn't have that many chances to watch the games live as they happened. Nah. Uh there were big games. You had uh, the FA Cup semifinals, you yeah. had El Clasico, you had Fiorentina Inter, 5-4 mm. it ended. Ooh. You had so many different games that we were busy enough to not be able to watch. Yeah. So after I came home, I did uh, ask Kaylee that, can you please look up the game between Chelsea and Tottenham? Mm. I want to see the full replay. So Saturday. Yeah. Saturday. Can you please look it up? I don't want to know the scores. And she found it. So I watched the entire 90 game without knowing the results. Mm-hmm. Oh man, you know, not, you know, now I can actually almost That's... decide whenever I want to watch it. And except I don't want to know the scores beforehand. Yeah. And I did the same with the El Clasico. I didn't know the scores. Lucky. And I think it's only. I, I sometimes I struggle to find stuff like that. The, but Dude, it's always. Um, Someone that tells you the score, right? Yeah, yeah. It's right. hard to get away, you know. I don't know how many hours I had to avoid Facebook or you know, <laughs> right. even my phone or <laughs> go into Often Blooded or other newspapers, you know. But you found it. I did it. it. I did you. it. So I was sitting in and watching the game. And what do we have about this game beforehand? What was the situation between the teams when you look at the standings, when you look at the... Uh, How has it been the past a couple of months or yeah. weeks? Yeah. Well, going into this game, I'd yeah. say most people, me included, have, in terms of the league title, have Real Madrid as heavy favorites. Mm-hmm. Heavy favorites. Mm-hmm. They were three points ahead going yeah. into the game with a game in hand because they had one game much earlier that was uh, postponed uh, and they still yet to play that game. So they're three points ahead Plus, they had a, a game less played than Barcelona. Mm-hmm. So, heavy favorites. You don't normally see Real Madrid dropping points against anybody other than a team like Barcelona True. or Atletico. <laughs> so, uh, heavy favorites. Um, plus, just going into the game, I mean, Real just finished that epic uh, epic series against uh, Bayern Munich. Yeah, amazing. Two wins. Yeah, two wins away, away from home. They're so impressive yeah. in Munich and then at home. And in the league, they've continued to win. They've looked professional, though. They've definitely looked efficient. Very, very, um, very focused, right? Yeah, absolutely yeah. focused. They're getting the job done no matter who mm-hmm. Zidane puts in. Isco, James occasionally, Benzema, uh, uh, right. Asensio. Casemiro. Casemiro. Or he plays with Modric or... Cruz or someone. Exactly. Kovacic even. True. No matter who he puts in, they get the job done. Yeah. Barcelona, on the mean, on the other hand, they're... Don't, it's been a shaky. Pretty shaky, yeah. <laughs> to put it lightly, I'd say. They've been pretty shaky. Neymar is still serving a suspension. Right. They were utterly, you know, spanked by Juventus. Yeah. Unable to score in both of those games. And Messi lately hasn't really been showing that top level that no. we know he has in him. He hasn't been that much involved in goal scoring or assists the no. past few weeks yeah and even in the champions league he was very blank you didn't see that much out, yeah. out from him yeah and that kind of 
have been big talk since Ronaldo had that amazing free goals hat-trick yeah. against Bayern Munich yeah. and it's really in form while Barcelona with Messi is not really in form right Plus, yet this game is is almost like a final up to win La Liga yeah it's like essentially if Real Madrid wins it then there'll be no doubt Real's got the title wrapped yep. up six points ahead a game in hand they've got the title Barcelona needs to win to give themselves a chance, you say men- you mentioned Messi. I just want to real quick, real quick, uh, bring back to the players on both teams, uh, the contrast and fortunes for both players on, on teams. You said Messi hasn't been playing super well, but in addition to Messi, Suarez hasn't mm-hmm. looked like himself yeah, at all really this I agree. season. I agree. Um, that being said, I think he has like twenty three goals. So <laughs> I mean, yeah, but uh, it's, it's wild. Yeah, when you say it like that, it's really wild. But think about this too: a team like Real Madrid. Didn't have any spot, any spot on their bench for a player like Vasquez. Oh no, really? Yeah. Oh man, and yeah, he's someone that's been very reliable whenever he's been really? brought on. Yes, too. yes. So that's pretty impressive. What kind uh, of squad Real Madrid has? You, and know? you know, Barcelona. In addition to Messi, Suarez not performing. Neymar played really is playing really well, but he's suspended. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iniesta hasn't quite been up to it. Busquets hasn't quite been up. Mascherano. Mascherano definitely has been dropping off. And players like Andre Gomez and uh, Alcacer, Paco Alcacer, have not stepped up. I mean, they have a very tough uh, role to step into. Yeah. You know, you step into a team like Barcelona, you are expected to be this amazing player. Yeah. And they haven't reached that level. To play a certain way as well. Exactly. But for me, it's more like they haven't really showed me the potential yeah. either right you know what i'm saying they they haven't showed that potential of okay could this player be like danny alves within two years or yeah. three years so it's like maybe he just needs a little bit of time exactly. to get used to it but exactly. he will be there but, but yeah. i haven't really seen that potential either i agree i haven't either plus and then um neymar was out I would say the number one replacement for Neymar would probably be Artur. Oh yeah, man! But yeah. I believe he's injured. I think. So. I mean, he was actually sitting on the bench this game, so mm-hmm. he was he, he didn't get the chance to play. Throughout the season, Luis Enrique has been a bit doubtful about letting Artur play. Whenever Neymar is not playing, or Suarez is not there, or Messi even is not playing, he hasn't really ga- given Artur the chance. I'm not really sure why. You know, I'm not really sure why. Uh, it, when I saw Arda on the bench, I kind of got a bit upset because he was like, man, you know, he's like this talent or this soccer player that is really good mm-hmm. sitting on the bench and not really even getting time on the pitch to show how good he is. So like the best times of his career is actually sitting on the bench yeah. with Barcelona. So it's kind of like, is it good? Is it bad? But it's all about playing, too, for these players. He shouldn't have left Atletico. I, I mean, say he shouldn't have left Atletico. Yeah, but, but look at Connors, <laughs> you know? He's, a, he's, a, True. he's yeah. a very talented, good player, but still he's sitting on the bench for how long? Like, how long will you, you do you want to sit on the bench? Yeah. I was thinking about, okay, or even Alvaro Morata, right? Yeah, he didn't one, even yeah. play this game. Yeah, Alvaro Morata. Uh, okay, are you willing to be on the bench... Win Champions League, win La Liga, and not really have the massive impact yeah. or play that much. 
Or do you want to go to a team and be the star and help them at least chase or maybe even win? That's the question. Question. So how about, do you want to go into the players that started started the game? Sure. Uh, sure. You said Arda was on the bench. I thought he was injured. Maybe he was, came back just fit enough to get onto yeah. the bench, but he wasn't able to play. James was on the bench. Yeah. Murata was on the bench. Kovacic. Kovacic uh, uh, was on the bench. Is that right? Yeah. Asensio uh, was on the bench, but yeah. came in pretty early on instead of Bale. Right. Bale with an injury. Um, Neymar, seeing as he was suspended, who started in place of him? Paco Alcacer. Alcacer. Mm. Playing instead of him. Wow. So, <laughs> so Real Madrid started with Carvajal, Ramos, Nacho, and Marcelo. They had Casemiro. And in front of Casemiro, you had Modric and Cross. Uh. Those three is a really good triangle in the midfield of Real yeah. Madrid. Yeah. Whenever Casemiro is not playing, he puts Cruz on that position and brings in Isco. Mm. That's also a good replace it right i think yeah. so on the top you had bbc bale starting even though he has his injury doubts benzema starting mm-hmm. uh even though there's been you know questions on how how well he could keep up with the likes of ronaldo and bale now nowadays and with Morata, like you said you yeah know, i think i think Morata should be starting Me instead too. of benzema personally benzema can de- get a job done and of course cristiano yeah uh what about on the barca side barca side on the Right back was Sergio Roberto, you mm-hmm. had Piquet, you had Umtiti, and left back you saw Jordi Alba. Mm. Good, good, you know, that's what they have. That's yeah. That's what they have. Usual starters, yeah. that's it. Midfield, in, the, in the midfield you had Sergio Busquets, Iniesta, and Rakitic. Mm-hmm. And on the top you had Messi, you had Paco, and you had Suarez. Okay. So, I guess as good as both teams could do it. I mean, with Ronaldo, I mean, sorry, with Real Madrid, uh, I think some of those spots could be so interchangeable. You could have Hamas starting easily. Isco could start easily. Yep. Uh, Murata, I think, could start easily. Um, but even Asensio now. Yeah, it's true. He's true. the, he's the, you know, right now he's the best up and coming talent in the world, they say. Oh, that's Yeah, heavy. really, yes, really. That's... Yeah, when you look at his playing style, he's very unique. He, he's almost like uh, Alexis Sanchez, but really left-footed like Ariane Robben. A mix between, I would say. Um, it's pretty interesting. So, atmospheres yeah. at Santa, Santiago Bernabeu. And this is a classico. This you is, know. This is the biggest derby in the world. It's surely. like the entire surely. stadium is like <laughs> boiling, right? Absolutely. Everybody's singing. Yep, yep. Tifo, massive banners and flags. And the players are about to get in. Right. That sound is... Unmatchable. And was in addition, at seeing as it's at the Bernabeu, I know Real have that they have their song, A La Madrid. I'm not going to sing it because I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it's A La Madrid. That song blaring across the speakers everybody's singing it and everybody's really like holding up those uh scarves and scarves stuff. Yeah. and uh, it's like the entire stadium is white and real madrid's yeah. coming out with really nice white it's so jackets. amazing it's like all yeah. white everywhere yeah <laughs> it really is and it's kind of buzzing sound yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 at nice um man this is the sound right before the game of el clasico
after you listen to this, you know that El Clasico is starting. Mm -hmm. And El Clasico did start. It did. It did start. And things got contentious pretty early with Ronaldo bursting into the box, being taken down by Umtiti after like a couple minutes, I think. This was like really early on. I mean, I saw already when it was live that he actually hit. Ronaldo in the leg. Yeah, it should have been a foul. Should have been a penalty. I, mean, I think so. But it wasn't. It <laughs> Somehow wasn't. I mean, it was pretty clear. Um, so yeah, that right off the bat, there's some controversy in the Clasico, which uh, you know is pretty familiar with. I uh, thought something would happen right after that. You know, like um, kind of see the old, old, <laughs> kind of see the old time Real Madrid Barcelona fights starting right? with the arguments right off the bat. Yeah, dude. Uh, I don't think they did. Not quite. No, I mean, not not at not, that stage. Yeah, not that. That stage. would have been amazing if we started that early. That really? Been, maybe <laughs> that would have been bad. <laughs> what would happen? End of the game. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so yeah, things getting going early, and it was rather early on that Real Madrid in the first half. Real Madrid free kick. I think is a free kick mm-hmm. being floated in by Marcelo on the left side. Sergio Ramos, who should be, like, the first person that Barcelona should mark up, seeing as how often he scores off free kicks, uh, was able to get on the end of the cross. His his shot went off the post, and Casemiro, who, up until that point, uh, was towing the edge, towing mm-hmm. the line of, uh, I guess, <laughs> legality and whether or not he should be on the field or not. He's had some pretty harsh tackles, yeah. a couple bookable offenses yeah. that weren't booked. Um, I mean, he cut Messi from the behind, you, you know? Yeah. Messi made a really nice dribble and just showed his class, really. And Casemiro ran behind him and just had a slight tackle from behind, <laughs> got a yellow card. And throughout the game, I think he had two late tackles, but he didn't that get weren't. booked. Yeah. You know? And he was on the field, he didn't... He. Should have been sent off probably at some point. Yeah. Uh, but he was still on the field when uh, that shot from Ramos hit the post and the rebound went straight to Casemiro and just knocked it into an open net. 1-0 to Real. Real is leading right now. Yes. Real is up 1-0. And somehow he feels like, even though it's a lot of time left, Mm-hmm. It feels like when one of the teams are scoring, since they're such a great team, it feels hard to come back. Yeah. It feels like you have to climb a mountain to kind of come back into the game. And patience is the number one thing that you really need to have as a professional player at that level. You cannot really stress. And a player like Lionel Messi... <laughs> Why laughing? I don't, you started laughing. A <laughs> player like Lionel Lionel Messi came down pretty deep in the on the field mm-hmm. and took the ball and started to make his runs, started to make his dribbling, and started to come high up on the field, had more shots, take the touch, quick shots off, and uh, he scored. A really beautiful goal, man. Tying goal, yeah. This goal that he scored just shows how fast his technique is in his speed. He's really like a slalom dribble between um, three players. Mm. And uh, 
he goes from left to right, yeah. and after his second step, he takes it with his right foot to the back to the left, back to the left, yeah. and finish it. Is it goes so fast? It's almost like you're dribbling in a with a hockey club, you know. Mm. And uh, wow, Messi really showed this class again, and he has scored in six games in El Clasico. Yeah, once I heard that, I was like, wow, that's a. Uh... I was really surprised once I heard that he hadn't scored in six Clasicos. Uh, Someone of Messi's, you know, magic that we've seen score against everybody over and over, not to score against anybody in six games is right. rather surprising, especially given Messi is the uh, all-time leading scorer in El Clasico. He is, yeah. and second, second is the Stefano with 19 goals, no? Well, he might have 19, I don't know for sure. No, I think he's 19. Either he has 19 or I Raul has 19. No, he has 19, and Shistano has 15, and Raul has 14. Raul has... This third, I know Raul's third. No, no, I think no. Cristiano has passed that. Not, not for a classic. I don't I think. I think so. You want to bet? Awesome. <laughs> Fifteen, fourteen. Uh, look. Let's see. I think it's uh, Cristiano that has fifteen. Maybe, but Raul has either seventeen or nineteen. Seventeen or nineteen, Raul? Yeah. No man, he has oh, less yeah. than Ronaldo. Let's see. What are you what what are you searching? What is the search up classical on here? Oh, so now Messi has twenty three, so before that, okay. Well, it's a long history on Wikipedia when you have to search. Okay, Messi Oh <laughs> You're right. What does it say? Raldo is third. 16. But let's move on before yeah, we keep going. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's long. I know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Marcelo in this game, as he has been so many times, consistently, mm -hmm. uh, the last several years, was brilliant up and down. Arguably, Real Madrid's best player, perhaps. And uh, Real Madrid, as they were down, they did start to push. They started to push. They, uh... They're threatening. They were knocking on the door. Ronaldo had chances that unbelievably he couldn't score. Uh, shots from Benzema and uh, Isco, I believe, that uh, weren't able to go in. You're talking. You're talking about the chance when Asenio is getting kind of free on the side and puts the ball into Ronaldo. It's a really open goal. Essentially, yeah, uh, yeah. And uh, somehow he hit it over. Hit it over. Yeah. Somehow, it's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, Despite all this pressure, then a blow for Real Madrid came in the 77th minute where this is something that I've seen before. I'm Once I saw this, uh, once I saw this happen, I immediately thought back to something very similar happening in 2010 between these two teams. But Messi, as he does, he has the ball. He's dribbling, making a threatening run. Um, actually, no, I don't think he was making a threatening one. He wasn't even facing his own goal. His, he wasn't even facing the goal. Not at that point. Not at this point. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Sergio Ramos coming in and wow, that was, he goes in hard on Messi. At first, it looked like Messi just jumped over him. Over yeah, him. Yeah, that's what I thought To first. protect himself. And uh, But when you look at the replay, Sergio Ramos really comes with his full body thrown yeah. in, you know, almost yeah. like he thrown himself into Messi with 
both cleats up. Yeah, yeah. And definitely. stretched. Yeah. And like in the air, too. In the air. He wasn't even fully sliding. It was almost like a lunge. Exactly. And one of his foot hits misses. Yeah. But if Messi, you know, would be a bit more to the left and we would like hit that straight, it would really break his leg off, dude. <laughs> it would look so ugly in one of the biggest games on this planet. Yeah. And the ref did the right thing to do. He gave him the red card. Straight red, yeah. Directly, man. Straight red card. And before he went out, he pointed at Piquet and he made the sign, you know, the hand sign or like, you talking too much, kind of. Yeah. And then he was pointing at the crowd. You talking too much and pointing at the crowd. What was that about? Well, we know, you know, with those two players, very vocal players, two players that are like symbolize their two clubs, their two respective clubs perfectly. Piquet is definitely full on Barcelona, Catalonia, all of that. And uh, he's been known to be very outspoken against Real Madrid and maybe favoritism that referees give Real Madrid or maybe how Real Madrid, their business of operations and mm -hmm. such. And uh, <laughs> he does it quite often. I think often Ram uh, Ramos is able to just ignore it pretty well. Like whenever I've seen uh, comments made by Ramos uh, in retaliation to whatever PK says about uh, Real Madrid always get these refs on their side. They always buy the refs. I think Ramos does a pretty good job typically of just sort of brushing it off as just more PK complaining and such. Okay. But uh, for this, in this game, maybe he just had enough. He's just like... I think what he said was uh, something along the lines of that if you're going to keep complaining like this as you do on Twitter and other social media, then you'll get, you'll eventually get results, I guess, like you did. And that, I guess he's implying that Barcelona, in this game, particular game, we're getting things going handed to them in their mm. favor by mm. the referees and such. That's uh, emotion speaking right there, yeah, you know? for sure. Uh, but if you look historically in the, the games between these two clubs, you see Piquet being very um, one of the first to come to the ref whenever yeah. something happens, oh, yeah. you know? Um, being very loud or speaking yeah. a lot. But I think Ramos himself is doing that same on the pitch when these two clubs are playing. For sure. What's going on outside of the field with the Twitter? Yeah. I don't know that much about that uh, conversation they have or the conversation that Piquet is putting out on the Real Madrid is getting better calls. I mean, he does it a lot. He does it he quite does often. It? Yeah, yeah, he does. Uh, wow. But uh, <laughs> I know. It's so interesting, though, between, between these two because they, uh, I mean, they're said to have a, fine relationship with each other in general they start to get in the spanish I know, national so team that's why it's so interesting because they start together with one of the most successful and uh best national teams in the world mm -hmm. uh and they just so in sync and in tandem with each other but then once it comes to to el clasico it's like they still have to hate each other it seems like but who knows maybe they don't who was it i saw an interview I think there was an interview with Steven Gerrard and he got the questions about the national team. And he said, he said really like, uh, you know, it's so much passion between the clubs. So at one point you cannot really be good friends in the national team because mm. uh, when you play club, we're playing against Liverpool, Manchester United. Yeah. Uh, it's the history of these two teams are, uh, it's tough to get that really good relationship and uh, you just 
has to be professional. To, exactly, professional. I mean, I give them credit for for being able to cope with each other oh, as well as yeah. they do. And I don't know yeah. for sure. Maybe they are actually pretty yeah. good friends. I don't yeah. know. PK and, and Ramos, Steven Gerrard, and I don't know, Rio Ferdinand or who else. Maybe they're actually really good friends. But definitely once a derby is going on, emotions take over. And you can't think of them as your friend. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I think they then do a good job to leave that just with these games and outside of these games. Then they they get along well enough, I suppose. Usually at these games, you always have a sub that has to come, will come in and make a change or something. And... uh, it, like we said, Real Madrid have a couple of those players. Yeah. They put in Asenko very early on. He mm-hmm. had a great impact in the game. Right. And uh, then James. James. Who, I feel almost bad for him. That, like we talked about, how can James be on the bench as much as he does? Especially once once he comes on, he yeah. produces. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he always leaves an impact. He does. Even at those games where we started, like three games in a row, he yeah. had so many great crosses, free kicks that led to goal. Yeah. And in this game, you could see Marcelio just, like he does, come from the left and had that great cross. Yep. Right? Yeah, it was. And when you look at the replay, you see how James comes from the back, running into the front post Mm. and just touches the ball. Into the yeah. net. That ball from Marcelo, he put that into this, a perfect, perfect place for Hamas yeah. to just run onto. He broke, got free of his marker, just run onto it and tuck it home. In a space where Tishtegan cannot really exactly, come out yeah. and stop it. And 2 2, man. 2 2, late on, this is like 85th minute, I think. Yeah. Something yeah. Or so. uh, late on, you think Real Madrid did enough to get the points, uh, despite being a man down, which I know one thing that we were surprised about was despite being a man down, how Real. You know, then you would expect, oh, Barcelona have got this now. They're just going to tiki-taka, pass their way, t- completely take control of the mm. game. But mm. Real, despite being down to 10 men, pressured. They really took it to Barcelona and I think really surprised them. That's good. That's good. It yeah. is. It is. Yeah. And, and they, they got the wrestle, right? Exactly. They got the 2-2. Yeah. Two, two. They got the 2-2. Two, two. Hard work paid off. Really, really. And, and what surprised me was they kind of stepped back. Okay. After the 2-2, two, two, they kind of stepped back a bit and... Were defensively mindsetted, technically awesome, but it was at one point. I mean, this is late in the game. Like this is super late in the game, and uh, you know, ninety-two something, mm. and it really surprised me. It was uh, so many Real Madrid players pressuring on the final third. They're pressuring Testegen and also the defenders. It was like three, four players all the way up there, and. Tishtegen managed to pass the ball through this line, basically. Oh, you know, through yeah. this line. I, I, I was like, no. That's awful. Yeah. That's awful from yeah. Real Madrid. I mean, point. why don't you go to the your half side, you know? So Tishtegen made this pass through this line, and all of a sudden you look at a counterattack that didn't really start from any offense. It was not like Real Madrid was on offense and they lost the ball and it was counterattack. You know what I'm saying? Mm. It was. Four or five Real Madrid players that were pressuring and the pass came through and was counterattack with like five players coming up yeah. to Real Madrid's final third. Mm. I mean, that's a very r- rookie thing to do. I know, yeah. And uh, especially, I mean, this late in the game, you're down a man. I'd say at this point, 
Well, I can, I guess, like, I guess it's a little admirable to go for the win, even down a man here. Gotta manage the game and, and, and just see it out, especially this late on. Uh, once you know Barcelona are gonna be throwing everything they can yeah. to get the win. And, as it so happened, <laughs> with this attack, with this, as a result of this, you know, uh, rookie mistake. Rookie mistake kinda, yeah. I mean, this is not, they're not rookies, but it's, but it was a mistake not, like that. It was a mistake like yeah. that, yeah. As a result of this, Barcelona comes up the other end and. Wait, wait, wait. Before you say it, before you say it, mm-hmm. let's take a look at it. Sounds good. One final roll of the dice. Can they hit the jackpot? Gomez, Jordi Alba, Lionel Messi! Oh my goodness! Lionel Messi does it again! He's superhuman! Oh, Lionel Messi has just exploded La Liga into life! Another chapter in the incredible story of this little man. Oh my goodness, you cannot write the script for this, Rob. This is unbelievable stuff. Look at the faces the Real Madrid fans and the Real Madrid players. Unbelievable. It's blown the league wide open. His 500th goal for Barcelona is possibly the most significant one. How he's much is that booked. shirt worth? He's going to get booked, but he don't care. He's got a good book. Book me, jail me, handcuff me. He doesn't care what they do to him tonight. Extract his teeth. He has scored the goal. What a run from Sergio Roberto. This is brilliant, Rob. From right back spot, good engine. And he starts it all off. And then the ball's played out wide. Andre Gomez, he plays in Jordi Alba, cuts it back. And then what's this from Messi? What a finish. That's his 47th goal of the season, Rob. And he is the best. He's the best there is. He's oh. the best there ever has been, possibly the best there ever will be. As those Real Madrid defenders that were left in his trail there, he has taken Barcelona level with Real Madrid at the top of the table in an instant of magic. The slightest of gaps, the biggest of goals from Lionel Messi, 500 up for him. Sir, this weekend, yes, sir, in England, yes, sir, was the resumption of the FA Cup semi-finals. Sir, um, yes, sir, it was. Yep, yep, yep. It was, it was. The FA Cup, such a massive tournament historically. Uh, maybe not quite as much nowadays, but some people may not. Some people nowadays, some people listening to this yep. may not have. A whole lot of knowledge or be too familiar with the FA Cup. You're right. Uh, even though it is such, even if it's, you know, certainly lower than the uh, league or the Champions League and some other things in terms of importance, mm-hmm. it's a big tournament uh, with a big history. If you look at the history, you could say this is one of the ancient trophies sure. of European soccer. Sure. Um, even Premier League is younger. Even yeah. Champions League, Europa League, these big titles and trophies out there are younger than 
the FA Cup. And the FA Cup, like you said, was very popular. Yeah, yeah. But the past, I don't know, 10 years or yeah, so, I guess so. he like that. has kind of not years. been the first priority for the teams. Yeah. However, it's not throughout the tournament. Usually when it comes to the semifinal and the final stage, yeah. it gets really good. Yeah. They both, the, all the teams that are in that stage, they put forward their best team yeah. and now, players, usually. Yeah, absolutely. And given, I mean, this is a semifinals, there's only four teams left. Exactly. Uh, but uh, normally these teams, once you get this far in, they're like, okay, uh, we're this close to a trophy. We can taste it almost. We can smell it. Let's put our best foot forward and really go for it. This just came to me. Okay. But uh, the history of the FA Cup is almost like, I mean, you said it's ancient. Mm-hmm. The history of the FA Cup in some ways, it almost reflects the history of soccer. It does. I would say so. Yeah. Uh, it's been it's been around for so long. It's gone through so many changes. It's gone through. It's experienced difficulties with like the modernization mm-hmm. of the world and of football in general. It's a chance for clubs to win trophies. Right. Right. So yeah. it's still important because teams are playing end of the day for the titles, and. Uh, you had two games this weekend. Saturday was one game. Sunday was one game. Saturday's game was between Chelsea and Tottenham. And Tottenham really haven't won any trophies in so long time. Right. So this is like a one trophy that Tottenham actually needs. Yeah, yeah. You know, need this trophy to kind of show that they are serious. Yeah, sure. Serious club that has ambitions. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tottenham, especially the last couple of years, are really, they're going for the Premier League title. They're a quality team, as much as I hate to say it, that uh, is going for the Premier League title. Right now, they're right in the thick of a Premier League yeah. title race. But for, historically, clubs of Tottenham's stature and lower, mm-hmm. the FA Cup is really their chance to shine because yeah. they don't really have a chance of the league. They're obviously not going to get in the Champions League exactly. or Europa League, whichever. So cup competitions like the FA Cup, like the League Cup, uh, are really their times to shine, their chance to finally get a uh, trophy, and big trophy like yeah. the FA Cup is. Yeah. Um, you know the, the popular phrase, I'm sure you heard it, giant killings. Once, I mean, as it says, it's once a small club yeah. eliminates a, a bigger club, and that's so popular in the FA Cup. That idea is very popular in the FA Cup. You love to root for the underdog and hear and see the so-called magic of the FA Cup uh, of a third division club like Birmingham City or someone knocking off Liverpool yeah. in the yeah. fifth round, whichever. I don't know. Wasn't it one club a couple of years ago which was founded by supporters group to Manchester United oh, that yeah, yeah. actually got the chance to play Manchester United? I think they did play Manchester United. I think they did. It was called FC United of Manchester. Really? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So if a cup has this tradition of somehow giving a platform to underdogs, underdogs can can win, you know? And, uh, Uh, but you know what interests me now when you mentioned about about the FA Cup's history a bit, you know, uh, or the tradition in history, do you know, Kerry, when FA Cup started? I do. 
That was a long time ago. 1871 was once the first season started, man. 1871. Really? Yeah. I think the Football Association, oldest cup competition in the world. I think the oldest, like, competition so in the world. <laughs> the first one, then. Yeah, I believe. I believe so. Or, yeah, definitely the most longest continuing one. Wow. wow. Longest running. Impressive, man. Yeah. Impressive. So, we're talking about so many games, so many... Incidents, accidents. I think once it just started, once it just started too. Think I mean, eighteen seventy one. Arsenal wasn't even a club, wasn't even around at the time. Manchester United wasn't even founded at that time yet. Wow. So this is before a lot before. of the big ones. Some clubs that are around today may have been known at a different time. So so barely there were no really technology as in cameras no, no. that were working or photographs no like very like, some photographs are very limited exactly very small the match reports would have been pretty i guess concise not not and pretty interesting but yet it had a lot of uh, spreading in the words of the game right it was a lot of attention drawn yeah, yeah. to this final it wasn't like or 20,000 people or 40,000 people or 50,000 people the number is going higher and higher and higher higher. as the years go by yeah for sure yeah for sure this is the earlier times of of soccer too like earlier days of soccer too so people are excited to see this new ish sport so this is where soccer really started to get a bit more publicly Sure. Uh, famous sure. or even more attention from fans yeah and uh, one of the biggest final that I can remember early on in the FA Cup is from 1923 oh dude I didn't know you're that old man <laughs> nah, have you yeah. been lying to me I, be, I remember <laughs> it like yesterday man <laughs> yeah 1923 yeah that yeah. was that was a uh, a big final for a couple of reasons perhaps the most you know relevant one Today, you know, when it comes to today, would be uh, that was the when Wembley Stadium opened, the original Wembley Stadium exactly. opened in 1923. Exactly. That's why I remember it. Yeah, it was a big fuss about this new stadium that the capacity was going to be 125,000 people. Oh my, yeah, yeah, much more than stadiums are typically nowadays, right? But I mean, back then there was terraces as well, so there were not traditional seating so you could fit a lot more than 125,000 people 125,000 I mean, plus I, I know uh i believe i think the the actual figures are kind of shaky but i believe most historians agree that it was around at that final around 200,000 people <laughs> so <laughs> i know for one game uh, <laughs> uh so big and it and it and it was obvious it was evident that 200,000 people packed into one stadium <laughs> had its problems and this is where the second uh reason why this final is so so famous because with all the people they were spilling out onto the field they were you know climbing <laughs> climbing over walls and stuff to get into the stadium they're like so squeezy tightly packed i should say tightly packed together on on the on in the stands and yeah some of them they didn't have fit in the stands so they had to they were spilling out onto the field and so you had these uh uh these sheriffs or these security guards essentially i guess yeah. riding around on horses trying to shepherd people back off of the field the game was, was kind of paused or postponed for for a few minutes 
because of all the people on the field and this one horse, this bright white horse by the name of Billy. <laughs> Billy, <laughs> Billy the, the horse. horse. Billy the white horse. Um, uh, was I don't know, it's just how he stood out in this one sheriff just or security guard on all the black and white clothes right i mean you see pictures i've seen pictures of this time and it's black and white of course but then (laughs) or kind of more black and grayish yeah but i mean even that time it wasn't like people were wearing colorful exactly they're all like dark dark brown jackets jackets. yeah Yeah. hats Uh, and then you just see among the sea of dark colors you just see this white bright white horse uh guiding people off of the field and so this final is affectionately called the white, white horse final white horse finals between west ham and bolton yeah yeah and it's interesting i mean seeing uh uh the history of the cup talking of the history of the cup and the history of some of these clubs first of all west ham bolton final you wouldn't get that nowadays mm-hmm. no, no. <laughs> that's so interesting no. um but i've even heard videos maybe you have too of maybe Bolton or videos of the game itself, like sort of reports of the game mm-hmm. itself afterwards, post-game reports. And uh, you even hear like the songs, like that famous West Ham song that they still sing nowadays about forever blowing bubbles. I'm afraid I don't know the exact. Wow. So the, the tradition <laughs> is keep going Yeah. today, which started really around 100 years ago or so maybe more so i mean the traditions and history of the clubs are very much linked with that of the fa cup right so a lot of the fans today they don't really know the vast history of the soccer club they cheer for or even in general in soccer that is a bit vague yeah which I mean, obviously, it's understandable. You're gonna, yeah, for sure. It's not whatever was done in the past isn't as relevant to you mm-hmm. now, and uh, you just you'll just be very familiar with your, you know, era, your true, generation. True. And soccer is very dynamic. You you, you cannot really uh, say that something happened in 1935 necessarily affects the club. Yeah. <laughs> that much today. Right. But uh, anyways. West Ham won 2-0, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Massive game, massive game. But throughout the FA Cup's history, there have been incidents that affects the club. I'm thinking about Hillsborough right. disaster. Yeah. You know, that was there was something that happened um, also, also because of uh, uh, too many people yeah. in the stand. Right. And uh, what other games do you recall? Um... Well, one of my favorites, of course, this is way before me, but 1979, Arsenal, Manchester United in the final at Wembley, of course. Wembley, ever since that 23-1, is like the spiritual home of FA Cup, hosting just about every final until redevelopment. But um, 1979, uh, Arsenal and Manchester United, who are both kind of decent clubs, but... Uh, we talked about transitions, right? Mm-hmm. I remember, I know that during this time, the late 70s, they were kind of transis- transitioning from the eras of George Best and Bobby Charlton and Dennis Law, right? And they were one of the first superstars of the soccer. Yeah, that's true. That's uh, true. You can say that, you know. We, of course, we have Pelé yeah. and um, 
Maradona is later than this. Yeah, being like De Stefano or something exactly. like that. Exactly, yeah. a few. But, but these guys are so glamorous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were really living the lifestyle of a superstar, basically. Exactly. They're like uh, what Ronaldo is now uh, today. Yeah, yes, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. They couldn't go anywhere without <laughs> being recognized. Exactly. Um, and so in this game, in this final, I know Manchester, sorry, Arsenal, 2-0 up, 2-0 up, seemed to be controlling the game, cruising. But late on, about 85th minute or so, 84th, 85th minute or so, uh, Major United get one goal back, 2-1. to one. United get another goal back, 2-2. No two two. All of this is after the 85th minute, 2-2. Two two. I think it's going extra time. But then right at the end, right at the end, just a couple minutes late. In fact, actually, after United scored the tying goal, is immediately Arsenal went up the other field, up the other end of the field uh-huh. off of the, after the kickoff. And went back in front three to two. Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, so three goals in five minutes. Arsenal ends up winning three two. This game has been affectionately called the five minute final. Nice man. Yeah. Wow, that's history. Listen, right there. I know. Two very ancient clubs in England are Notts County. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Notts County. You hear it all the time. It's like the first club in English football. But Preston North End is, I would say, one of the first successful clubs in English football. Um, sure. They were the first ones that actually won the double. Yes, yeah, going back. This is going back. back. This is like, this is before 19th century. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in 19th century, which club was it? That it took a it, while. I mean, like in the modern time, more. Yeah, was the mean. first one. It took a while. Uh, uh, after I think the first two doubles were in the 1800s, like I said, Preston, yeah, Aston Villa uh, was the second. Yeah, but going to the 19th century it wasn't until, or sorry, the 20th century it wasn't until uh, 1961 mm. with good old Tottenham, good old Tottenham really? Hotspur, yeah, to win the double in uh, yeah 1961, led by their star player, one of the best question, players. Man. I know, man, but. Uh, now I can't stop now. So they won the first double in more modernized, yeah, at least. Sure, sure. Uh, uh, led by star player Jimmy Greaves. Okay. Star English striker. So yeah, Tottenham first in a long time in it. First in the 20th century. Um, and Arsenal have won the double three, three times, times yeah. throughout the history of the club. Yeah. And there's only one club that has won the treble. That's true. You know, and uh, that's why this trophy is important. Yeah, um, that's why I say you cannot neglect this tournament or this cup that's itself true. because it adds up the value. You know, yeah. How, it's not a Champions League trophy, obviously, mm-hmm. but end of the season, if you have more, then that's it's good. very successful. And Absolutely. the first club in English football was. Manchester United to win the treble. That's right. First in so far only club. And when Manchester United won the treble, the 98-99 season, yeah. that was a that was a mark in the history of football, I would say. That was a mark of um this is a successful club. They had they reached a high in the brand around the world, really. I mean, it was growing for sure. Don't misunderstand sure. yeah. me. Uh, they had great players. They had really quality 
games and they were winning the league as well. But this is once you're saying this is once Manchester United became international, yeah, maybe. A well, global no. superstar yes, like they are yes, now. Yes, yes, superpower. And I don't think they would have if they wouldn't have won the FA Cup. Just with a double, they wouldn't probably reach that same uh, heights. Heights, now, maybe. yeah. I can see that. You might yeah. be right because I mean, in addition to just people tuning in from around the world just being amazed at that at a team winning they're not the first club to have won mm-hmm. a treble mm-hmm. but probably the first biggest club that i can think of anyway maybe that's wrong yeah. but uh the uh, magnitude of that achievement exactly exactly but uh so in addition to the fact that all these people tuning around the world to see this club make such a huge achieve- achievement in addition going forward now players like ben Nistelrooy and rio ferdinand and uh, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo are going to come to Manchester United because just a couple years yeah. earlier, yeah. they've proven that they can be on yeah. top. That they're on top of the world. Yeah. So and then just you know more big players will continue to rise. Come exactly. to Manchester United. So it's very important to teams to actually go out there and win, not in the way of appealing, but uh, winning a trophy really stands out for being successful. Oz, I'm curious though. Uh, we mm-hmm. know how big Manchester United is. We're getting, you know, uh, a bit more of a grasp on the history of the FA Cup. We know how big some clubs have become as a result of FA Cup successes, yeah. like Manchester United and Tottenham. Even Preston North End and Aston Villa have their <laughs> have their their successes that they cling on to. Right. But what about the actual tournaments themselves? What about the games themselves? What about the goals themselves? Okay. Okay. Uh, Okay. Is there anything that you that stands out in your mind when it comes to like the real nitty gritty? Personally, uh, this is the times before even Arsenal had their blue away jerseys. Okay, you know, this is the times <laughs> earlier than that stage, that era. Uh, still, they had great players, and I remember one goal in particular which made me and my twin brothers to start cheering for Arsenal. Uh, I would say it's one of my earliest memories of Arsenal mm. uh, giving me joy. And uh, Arsenal had a player, Friedrich Jungberg. Mm. Swedish player. Swedish yeah. player. And he was the biggest star with uh, Henrik Larsson in the national team for a long time. He came f- to Arsenal from a small club, Halmstad. Halmstad was still in Allsvenskan, but... Jungberg was young when he came to uh, Premier League, but he had such impact. And if you ask uh, Arsenal fans today, or ex-Arsenal players, they really rank Jungberg high yeah. in the team. And uh, I remember one game in the final mm-hmm. against Chelsea. 2002, yeah. Yes, 2002. And uh, the first goal was scored by... Frey Parler. Exactly. I remember this final. And uh, I remember watching this game because it was one of the few games they actually showed on TV in Sweden. Mm. They showed this final on TV on a Saturday. And uh, and what I remember is that um, Freddy Jumberg took the ball, dribbled like in between two players. Oh, yeah. And inside of his foot he really placed it on the far yeah. post you know yeah. really that you could really <laughs> see the ball in the air heading to the goal 
and there's no chance for the keeper to actually even jump and save it. It was a perfectly placed oh, shot. Oh man, dude, that was yeah. that was amazing, and and being so young, to watch it was like, Freddie Umber gave that trophy kind of to you know. To seal the deal, no? yeah. Yeah, he sealed the, he closed the game, he sealed the deal. Yeah. We won, you know. And I, that's one of my earliest, really positive uh, memories from Arsenal. That's a great goal. That was a great goal. I Historical mean, goal, against, man. And against Chelsea too. Yes. So, hey, yes. yes. Youngberg taking Chelsea on. He's got the better of Terry. Freddie Youngberg. Oh! have produced two absolute stunners here and maybe Chelsea are now finished Freddie Jungberg scores for the second FA Cup final in a row no one's done that for 40 years that was Bobby Smith of Spurs this is Arsenal's day But what about you, man? Well, I mean, that's a big moment in the FA Cup history for me. But what about you? Or let me ask you something else. Uh, which goal really stands out for you? All well, the ones that you can remember. That one that you just mentioned, that Youngberg goal, was definitely a big goal. Almost an iconic goal of the FA Cup, sure. And there have been some good goals. Great goals. Brilliant goals in the FA Cup. I think I remember seeing one time... I don't remember where I saw it. It was at home somehow... But like a little DVD or show, okay. it was like two hundred goals of the FA Cup or something like that. Just amazing goals. There have been like Ricky Villa for Tottenham in mm. the early eighties. But uh, what has to be the all-time best FA Cup goal, the most famous FA Cup goal, was uh, going back to that ninety-nine treble season for Manchester United. Uh, as I hate to say it a little bit because it came against Arsenal in the semi-final at Villa Park, but Ryan Giggs picking up that ball, oh, picking a loose yes. pass from yeah. Patrick Vieira, yeah. picking up that ball, he just sort of dribbled slalom between four or five players for bursting into the box and just—I don't—I can't even—for <laughs> just it's, it's, smashing that ball home at the near post. Uh, is it that game when he takes his jersey off? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And you see yeah. how wonderfully hairy his chest is. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's a great goal, but I think he, even he would rank that one of his Probably. most important or best goals too. Probably. Uh, because he came in a really important game against really good opponent yeah. in such an amazing way to do it. Yeah. Brian yeah. Beep Giggs. What was that? No, I, I'm not a big fan of Ryan Giggs. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I can understand. I yeah. understand. Yeah. But. He's good. He's, he's good brilliant. and he's scored. He, he's done amazing yeah. things for Manchester United and Stockton overall. So. Yeah. I mean, he scored arguably the best goal ever in the FA Cup, so. Given away by Vieira. Possession needlessly surrendered by Arsenal. Giggs happy to just. Get the ball down the other end of the pitch, but can he do any more than that? Still Giggs goes, he's through, he scored! Ryan Giggs, he's at the goal that's won it for Manchester United. The 10 men have withstood the pressure, they've saved the penalty, and now Manchester United are within moments of reaching the FA Cup final. 
as good a goal as you can wish to see. It's been an improbable game and an improbable twist in the tail. Manchester United have barely had a shot since they went down to 10 men. Vieira giving the ball away and little did he know then just how costly it would be. Giggs at his mercurial best. Keown left scrambling. Seaman sprawling. And the finish absolutely brilliant. United holding off the penalties. Now, can they hold on for a place in the final? This goal is worthy of winning the FA Cup itself. Absolutely magnificent. So we started this uh, conversation by mentioning that it was the FA Cup semi-finals this weekend. Yeah. And we presented it a bit about the uh, FA Cup's history, mm. what we know. But let's dig into to this weekend's games. Sounds good. Sounds good. There were a couple. <laughs> there were a couple uh, big games between. I mean, you said likely top five, top six, uh, so big six in England now. Tottenham and Chelsea were really going at it. Ch- Tottenham probably had the. Uh, uh, I don't know. They had the run of possession. Oh, they uh, did. They were they, the better team, man. You think so? I think so. Yeah, I've heard some people say that. I mean, Chelsea, it's fun nah, to play to nah. Chelsea's hands, in my opinion. Uh, maybe. But... It was tactically uh, played by Chelsea, but True. to me, it looked like Tottenham had the possession, they yeah. had the offense, yeah. they had the chances. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say it played into Chelsea's hands, but uh, I think Chelsea were comfortable, though, with okay. Tottenham having the possession and coming at them. Uh, but Tottenham really, maybe I wouldn't say one team is better than the other. They're pretty even, I think, Yeah, actually. But Hazard comes on. After this, Hazard comes on. Hazard and Costa. And immediately, Hazard makes an impact with a goal. Left-footed shot. Yeah. No, yeah, left-footed shot. Immediately. Yeah. Uh, from outside the box, going to the far post. 3-2. I was wondering at this point, I mean, throughout the entire game, Chelsea went in front. Then Tottenham came back. Then Chelsea back in front. Then Tottenham came back. I was wondering, can Tottenham do it again? I had a feeling they were going to be able to come back and tie it again. But later on, late on, once Hazard had the ball on the right side mm-hmm. after dribbling by a couple players, laying that ball off to Matic, Nemanja Matic, who's not someone who scores goals. Yeah. He killed the game. <laughs> he killed the game. He murdered so hard, man. Killed that ball. He... <laughs> Just waited for that ball to come to him and just loaded that yeah. boot oh. and hit that so hard. So hard. Off the crossbar, I think. Oh, oh man. That is once in a... Yeah, really. You know? Like, you don't hit a ball so perfectly like that and with such power as well. But that's a way to win the semifinal, FA Cup semifinal. And go to the next round. Yeah. Yep. Big time. Yep. Big time. And the other game was between Manchester City and Arsenal. Yes. And... Uh, just a quick recap about this game is that um, both teams are relatively similar. I'd say so. You know, they're relatively similar in form. They're relatively similar in the debate of uh, their, if they're having a successful season yeah. and how the team building is going. So pretty similar. However, Manchester City has more quality players on the paper than Arsenal. And Arsenal coming into this game, they played a new formation. They played this formation last week and 
they actually did it again. They I played, heard it was uh, three, so go ahead. Yeah, I think it was three, three, four, two, one formation. Which I heard this uh, formation, like you said, they did it uh, earlier in the week against Middlesbrough. But I heard this was only the second time in yeah. about 20 years that Arsene Wenger has had Arsenal play with three at the back. But, I mean, it went pretty well. It went well. Um, and in the first half, I Arsenal were pretty lucky. They rode their luck quite a bit. David Silva uh, had a header that was from, like, point blank that was saved by Czech. And City had a perfectly good goal disallowed for the ball supposedly oh, yeah, crossing the right. line. But right. it didn't. Arsenal's defense hung in there mm-hmm. uh, well enough. But then in the second half, after all season, we've talked about how Arsenal, the players, the manager, no drive, no uh, uh, will to fight. They just had this lack of enthusiasm all for most of the season anyway. And no real characters uh, encouraging each other. Or, yeah. Uh, uh, putting responsibility on each other. All of a sudden, that second half, we saw all of this from Arsenal. And it was quite refreshing to see. Something we haven't seen in a long time. I mean, it was a new experience. Yeah. For, for us yeah, as fans, for a while. you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially when uh, this was the response after Kunagiro's goal. Yeah. You know, like, Kunagiro scored a goal with a, from a long ball from Yaya. Yeah. And, you know, we, we could also criticize... Uh, Check that didn't come out sure. earlier. Monreal, who was uh, exactly. wrong side of Aguero. But it was the response of the players. They kept going, man. They they kept pushing. They it was really like a final almost in one way. Yeah, you know they yeah. had to win or they had to at least come back and score one goal. And uh, yes, <laughs> it happened, man. It did. It did it from an unlikely source. To say the least. But Chamberlain, Oxlade Chamberlain, for me, was probably man of the match. Uh, maybe you have a dis- disagree or something. Well, I, I would disagree, but uh, he was actually chosen the man of the match. He I was. Think. He was. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I know a lot of fans are arguing about which Arsenal player should be the man of the match. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Finally, we have one. I know, right? <laughs> How great is that? Um, but... Chamberlain with the ball on the right, put in. He just whipped in such a beautiful pass. David yeah. Beckham like cross. As man. a cross, yeah. And you expect, oh, Sanchez is on the end of it. Olivier Giroud is on the end of it. Nope, none of that. It was Nacho Montreal <laughs> running in right from, foot. with his right foot, running in and hitting that ball first time <laughs> uh-huh. to send uh, right in front of the Arsenal fans too to send everyone into raptures. Kerry, what was your reaction? Oh, I mean, I, I, I think I woke up my parents <laughs> that was I was sleeping nearby. Um, I was up and screaming, man. Yeah, yeah, same here, same here. Uh, especially because I was so tired. Yeah. I, 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 I guess I was still kind of tired while I was watching the game, but that woke me up. Oof. That woke me up for Oof. sure. Oof. But we didn't really have the chance to watch the entire game. Like I said, we had no. to go to the coaching, yeah. so we watched the. Uh, overtime highlights uh-huh. together mm-hmm. because we I left exactly when the game was over the full 90 I left uh, after the first or right before the end of uh, the first overtime period of overtime 
So how was my reaction <laughs> when we looked at the extended? It was what I expected. We were sitting, we were sitting uh, at a restaurant while we were waiting between games. Yeah, and uh, first period of overtime. Uh, I can't remember if it was a corner or a free kick, but it was uh, Ozil. I think it was a free kick. Ozil whipping in the ball from the left. It's headed back to Danny Welbeck, who yeah. you think was gonna he could he's like right there, he's gonna knock it in. Somehow he completely misses the ball. But who else but Alexis Sanchez, oh, man. Yes. Coming dude. through again. Yes, dude. Takes yes. that ball and pokes yeah. it home. Two one Arsenal. Oh. As for your reaction, oh. <laughs> definitely everyone in the store was <laughs> in the restaurant was surprised. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, yes! I, man, I felt this belief you know i felt this strongness when that happened you know, yeah, know. and uh, based on the highlights that we looked at and what i read afterwards it was a very different atmosphere among the arsenal yeah, players like everybody were like chasing the winning and and fighting like the life were on stage you know yeah and the joy when they wanted I, I mean we are in the fa cup final and regardless what expert says that this is not a big trophy for arsenal or uh, you know they already have failed season or whatever i don't give uh you know i don't care yeah. what, what they say you know it's a chance for us to win a trophy regardless what happens afterwards? I don't care. What I care about is to go to Wembley and win against Chelsea yeah, and not let them have a double. I know. And uh, whether or not Wenger stays or goes, I guess there's still a debate about that. I get the feeling he's gonna stay, but uh, wouldn't it be just a perfect send off for him? It would right? Why would we do? We would do. Give him a nice applause. Thanks for the. Great years he's given us. Thanks for the great years. So, I mean, what do you think? That final May 27th, there'll be a... Hopefully we are in New York. Maybe. And see the final in a Arsenal pub. Yeah. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be so much fun. That would be fun. But, uh, I mean, it could be a rematch, or it will be a rematch of 2002. We talked about the yes. Arsenal-Chelsea final then. Yes. But what are you hoping? I know you're hoping for a win. But yes. What are you expecting? You think I we mean, can take it? I mean... That was a new first experience for me when Jungbei scored. And this time, I hope something similar will hit me, you know? Yeah. I hope I hope it will be maybe Chamberlain that does it. Yeah. You know? Maybe the, someone else, some some young 10-year-old kid will be watching and be like, wow, this is what the magic of that fake cup brings. Yes. This was, uh, yes. Uh, and him growing up, maybe he... Uh, starts idolizing Arsenal thanks to Chamberlain if yeah. he scores. Yeah. And uh, okay. maybe five, six years from now, Chamberlain could be one of the most important players in Arsenal's this era of history. Yeah. FA Cup has a magic in it. it. Does. He has a lot of memories and a lot of stories in there. Yeah. And even though, even if that that prestige may 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 have diluted some. The last 15 20 years or so uh i don't think that magic is gonna will go away right or that importance will go away but nothing can erase memories okay we will still remember them as the glory they were yeah. to us right as the joy they gave to us right and this person man 
Dennis Hyam is my latest or newest idol. Yeah. Yeah, man. Who is Dennis Hyam? He's a he's a champion in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, man. How can I describe this? What has he done? Has he won the Champions League no, eight times? No, no, <laughs> he hasn't. But he is like us, mm. a soccer fan mm. and a fan of the game. Great. Nineteen twenty-three. Dennis Hyam was nine years old and went to a game with his dad. And at the game, he and his dad got separated. Yeah. Even though he was lost among thousands of thousands of fans at this new stadium called Wembley, mm-hmm. a game between West Ham and Bolton, approximately around 200,000 people came to the game. He was carried up by fans and had a point where he could see this white horse. Yeah. He saw this white horse on the field, pushing to the last maximum limit to the sidelines. And the game started. It's so beautiful to watch Dennis Hyam talking about the game from 1923. When he was interviewed in this video, 2007, at the opening of the new Wembley. And uh, it was an old experience shared in a new experience and uh, it's very beautiful man it's it keep coming new experiences this guy was lost at the game you know yeah a nine-year-old yeah now he's sitting in a wheelchair watching another final and he remembers that game like he was yesterday that <laughs> fresh yeah. that real that close to his memory that is why he's my latest and newest sure. idol Sure. It shows that uh, the magic of the FA Cup still exists with those that are familiar with it, uh, even all those years ago. But also that, like you said, new memories or experiences have their own magic to them. No matter what someone else says, right? Uh, to try and belittle these experiences, for you there's going to be a special quality to them. Well said, man. Well said. So... And this is our 15th episode of Oscar Chicken King Soccer Podcast Show. And we can't wait to be with you again next week. But it would be a crime, Kerry. Uh-huh. Right? It would be a crime if we wouldn't present the video of Dennis Hyham talking about the game from 1923. Yeah, I agree. We should present this to our listeners so they can enjoy. And hopefully... Hopefully, we can remember the final when Arsenal won against Chelsea 2017 <laughs> when we are 90 plus two. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy soccer history. Boom. In amongst that crowd is very likely my dad and myself. I was born in 1914. I lived in Harrow, which is a neighbourhood, really, of Wembley Park. When we got off the train, we realised that there was no way of getting in the ground except to follow the crowd who were climbing the turnstiles. My dad, being (laughs) fairly adventurous, he said, come on, lad, let's... Do what they're all doing. 
So my dad and I actually got into the ground without paying a penny. He and I were separated and I wasn't worried at all. But the cry went up from some chap behind me. Look, there's a young lad here. Just give him a hand. And I was lifted over the heads of this lot and plonked down on the grass. You quite near the touchline. I do remember that quite distinctly. The mounted police bloke on this white horse was covering quite a big area, as you probably realise. So every now and again, he would come fairly near to me. As a small boy, you couldn't really appreciate 100,000 people completely obliterating a football pitch. Our next door neighbour came to see us brandishing a cup final ticket. <laughs> and the following day, on the Sunday, we were able to tell him that we'd been in and he never even got in the ground. That was the way of the chaotic state, really, that was going on. But all in a friendly way.